Oh, the excitement never ends. We love technology. This is Faith And, a Christian podcast exploring faith in real life with young people. This is Faith And, a Christian podcast uh, here exploring faith with and for young people. Um, I'm Andy, as you should know by now if you've been listening regularly. And as always, I am joined with Ruth. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? very well have you watched any good movies recently uh that is a good question what have i watched recently i tell you what i did i had a bit of a throwback day yesterday and watched the princess diaries which is great would highly recommend to everyone i am disgusted in you (laughs) (laughs) they are great films they are great films believe you i'll take your word for it i mean i don't think i've ever watched one so you can't judge them then no, I mean, my throwback day is watching Jaws. Oh, Jaws is not great, though, is it? Oh, it's fantastic. No, it's not. It's not worth it. Watching a big it's plastic n- shark. <laughs> it's just not worth the hype, is it? I like Jaws, Transformers. We often watch them quite a bit because I make my kids sit through them. You're a horrible father. Thanks. <laughs> And on that bombshell, uh, <laughs> let's crack on and uh, introduce our special guest. Um, because today is a very special episode because myself and Ruth were chatting and we realised that when you start a podcast, you should sort of tell people about yourselves at hosts. And we never did that. So uh, today, Ruth, I'm going to let you do an ask me anything type thing. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, do your worst not really no no i won't i won't do my worst that's just me okay andy are you ready for the interview of your life i was going to say i was born ready but i don't know if i was or not so yes no you don't know sure okay start we'll start simple who are you what do you do where do you live basic information we want your full address all your bank details as well would be lovely okay my name is andy i am currently living in Barrow. I lead a thing called Network Youth Church. Um, I'm quite old if you ask young people. I mean, I've reached at least 41 years of life. Yeah, so I'm ancient. Um, I'm married and I have four kids who go to schools all around the local area. Um, Massive Arsenal fan. I mean, that's controversial, isn't it? I mean, I was waiting for the big cheer. That's why I left a gap there, to allow people at home to cheer Arsenal. (laughs) Are you going to edit that in, just a big cheer? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I will. Um, So, yeah, that's basically me. You know, a 41-year-old youth church leader in Barrow in Furness. Can you tell us one bizarre or interesting fact about yourself, please? I think the most... Well, I'll give you two. One is that I've never broken a bone in my body. That's my go-to. Yeah, I still don't believe that. Yeah, if you knew me and you saw the scars on my body, you'd think, how has that happened? But I've never broken a bone in my body. The other one is that when I was about 12, I fell into a wasp nest and I got (laughs) stung from head to foot on a youth weekend away. And my mum was the leader Um, and I fell in this wasp nest and I came running away ripping my clothes <laughs> off 
um, as I was being stung. Eventually, I ended up in, in the hospital having an injection in an area that I won't name on uh, the podcast. But the nurse said this, and this is why it's an interesting story. Um, she said, right, I'm going to inject you now, but I need, you, I need you to make this soft like jelly. And as a 12-year-old boy lying face down, they were not the words I wanted to hear <laughs> from some random nurse. So there you go. Wow. I'm... Good fact. Good, good story. I wasn't expecting it. That is... Yeah, and the thing is, I get the feeling you have quite a lot of stories like that. You're just one of these people who has adventures and weird stuff happens to them. Yeah, I mean, I've run into barbed wire before, running down the hill, left On purpose? No, I didn't know it was there. I was just running down the hill and couldn't (laughs) stop and ran into barbed wire. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, random stories like that, you know, fishing by a lake and falling in and things like this. Yeah, I've got stories like that. And yet you haven't broken a bone. Very strange. Exactly. (laughs) So can we hear a bit about your childhood? Where did you grow up? What were your parents like? What was school like for you? How did you find your teenage years? So I was born just outside of Brighton and then at the age of three moved up to Surrey. So I lived just the southern side of uh, London and uh, yeah, spent the next 23 years of my life there um so i grew up in surrey in a small little town had about twenty-five thousand people there school went to the normal primary school you know had your adventures as you do there and then ended up in secondary school um the same one as my sister because she's slightly older than me so i had to go to that school i didn't really get the choice um and yeah growing up was fine both my parents went to church Interestingly, though, my dad was an organist in the Anglican Church and my mum was a free Baptist. So she was very much into sort of the move of the spirit and happy, clappy songs and things like this. And my dad was very high Anglican playing hymns on the organ with the choir. And uh, I guess you can imagine which church we ended up going to as kids. That's a really interesting mix to grow up with, though. Yeah. And we weren't told which church to go to we weren't forced to go to either of them but it sort of naturally ended up being that we went with my mum so me and my siblings all ended up going with my mum because it was the more child-friendly church um and my dad would have the organ in the choir and occasionally we would go when it was like christingles because who doesn't like an orange and fruit you know who doesn't like a bit of sweets on a cocktail stick um everyone it's a it's a rite of passage isn't it Exactly. So we'd go for the big holidays to the Anglican church with my dad just to see what that was about. But growing up, our church was the happy, clappy Baptist church. You know, my mum was the youth group leader. And from a young age, I was in a junior youth club. Um, All my mates were there. I remember playing British Bulldog. Uh, Remember playing hockey where you had newspaper rolls as the sticks in like tights and hitting each other on the legs deliberately and things like this. And then you got moved to the senior youth club, which was a Friday night, you know, and things like this. And yeah, it was, you know, growing up was good. I can't say it wasn't good. It was good. So did you enjoy going to church? Did you enjoy the services, the, the groups? How did you find it? I think for me growing up, church was there. I had a good group of friends there. 
Um, going into secondary school changed it a little bit. And so I still went to church and I was happy to go to church and I wanted to go to church because that's where I could be and have things to do. So I, they let me play the drums. They let me be part of the music group. They let me, you know, help with the kids club and things like this. And we had a group of friends who were there, but my schoolmates were another separate group and never the two met, you know, they were very distinct. They were very separate. Did you find that you were two different people with those different groups of friends? Oh, very much so, you know, completely. So with my schoolmates, I was, you know, the popular, funny, sporty, uh, surprisingly, if you know me, to know that I was actually quite sporty growing up. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but sporty, popular, um, made them laugh. I was good in school. Um, I would swear you know, I'd try smoking and things like this. I was drinking before I should have and things like this. But to my churchmates, I was the good Christian lad who had grown up in church. And so I definitely lived a Batman lifestyle of having, you know, a mask on when I was in church. And I felt that the real me was outside of church. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way in churches, don't they? Um, that they have to be, they have to act the right way and, and do the right things and be the good Christian child in in church but maybe that's not who they feel they are how do you think that affected you um do you think that affected your relationship with God how you felt about church um how you felt about life in general like like I say for me growing up was good I enjoyed my teenage years I look back on it and I think yeah they were good times you know I don't look back and go oh I shouldn't have done this I should have done that but I do realise that I was two completely different person and I wasn't true to myself. And this is before social media. This is before, you know, Instagram, YouTube, <laughs> Facebook, any of that. Yeah. You know, so, so back when cave drawings were just happening. Like <laughs> um, but yeah, there was definitely two different people. And I knew God was real and I'd experienced God and I wanted that part of my life but I didn't want it enough compared to the other side of my life. And yet I was still drawn back to church all the time. So even growing up and when I had the choice to go and do sport or go to church, you know, my parents went out of their way to find a football club so I could play on a Saturday morning so I could still go to church. Like they didn't stop me. They didn't say you can't, but here's a second option. And I went with that second option, even though they weren't where all my mates were playing so that I could go to church because I knew God was part of it and that was important. Um, but yeah, there were definitely two different people. Definitely growing up, I knew church was important. That had been instilled in me. That was part of my life. But I don't think I wanted to know that enough. So when did that change for you? When did you stop or start becoming one person rather than two people what was there a specific moment that you can remember where you went actually this needs to change I think looking back I, I remember at the age of 12 going to a Christian camp and then deciding that God was real and I remember at that moment at the age of 12 saying yeah God I want to be with you I want to follow you I want you to be the center of my life and that was and that was real and at that same camp I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I remember jumping over seats to dance in the aisles, you know, because I was that that full of joy and that happy. 
And at the age of 12, that was true. That was real. That happened. Then I continued growing up. And I think as all teenagers do, I started to question things. I started to get drawn into wanting the same sort of things that my friends were doing, wanting that, that lifestyle. Um, and so it probably wasn't until about the age of 18 when I'd failed my A-levels, when my university choices weren't going to happen, when I didn't know what I was going to do with my life, that I actually sat there and I thought, okay, God, you need to help me here. You need to sort this out. And that was probably the biggest changing moment. So I went from being an 18-year-old uh, who was drinking lots, taking a year out to, because he had no future, to deciding, okay, I'm going to go, go out all for God. So, that so was what happened then? What came next? Um, well, it, funnily enough, I ended up going to uh, Bible College uh, down in London. And I actually applied to do a music and theology course. Um, because oh, I was quite into my music. I almost spilled a drink there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I was quite into my music and uh, thought about this course. And it was actually my gran who had suggested go and do this course. So I applied and I got accepted. But they said I had to learn to write music with all the little lights and squiggles and stuff like this. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I got to about level two, and I was just like, this isn't working. You yeah. know, I can't do this. And they sort of, so I spoke to them and said, look, it's okay, just transfer onto the traditional theology course. But to do that, you need to get an A level. So I'd managed to get, because I thought I was going to be a, a uh, physiotherapy, I really wanted to go and do that. I always dreamt of running out at Wembley as a sports physio with my little bag and putting a sponge of cold water on the footballer's leg and things like this. <laughs> that was my dream. Um, and so I studied biology, physics and PE. And out of those three A-levels, I managed to get one AS level and uh, an D, I think it was, in PE. So obviously I couldn't go to university. I couldn't get the grades. Um, I didn't get the grades. So, yeah, I didn't have enough A-levels even to go to theology and do christian life and ministry so they said do an rea level online so i did and i had some friends at a school and they said come and sit it here so i went i sat it and i was on a scripture union weekend uh, leading a camp when it was results day so i phoned up to get the results and uh, i think i ended up getting an e or something like that in a level re um and so again i had to phone up this bible school and sort of say look it didn't work out. I got an E. What happens now? And they said, come anyway. You know, so come anyway and we'll try it for the first year and see how you get on. And uh, I ended up staying for three years, getting a degree from them. So that was sort of the changing moment for me. Um, yeah, I think that was that was where life really became different. OK, so you had quite a turning point as you reached 18, went to Bible college for three years um, got a degree um, and then what happened so at the end of bible college I had my life all planned out because I like to plan and I thought I was going to be a youth pastor in a fairly reasonable sized church so we're not talking small sort of 20 people in a goat but we're not talking massive like 500 people I thought okay we'll go middle of the road um and then I was going to get married because I was single at the time. So I'd find somebody in the church, probably end up marrying them. Then I'd become some sort of uh, leader of a church and then probably go into a para organization. So work for someone like Youth for Christ. That was my life plan. Um, 
and yeah, it didn't work out that way. So I ended up, everyone was applying for jobs. I applied for all these jobs and got offered none of them. The one I did get offered was in the backwaters and beyond. And I was like, no, I'm not going there. I'm a 23-year-old single guy or 22-year-old single guy at that time. I don't want to go and live in a place where there are literally 20 people in a goat. Um, that wasn't for me. <laughs> so, so I ended up, everyone was saying, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said I was going to change the world for God or die trying. And that was my, my life goal. And I did it just to annoy people. But one thing I've learned... <laughs> is you don't tell people stuff like that unless you're willing to do it. And you don't say that to God unless you're willing. Oh to do yeah. It. Yeah. And so I said to people, well, I'm going to just change this world for God or die trying. And uh, I went back to my home church. I was working there. And as I was applying for jobs and things like this, I kept looking at my own CV and said, the one thing that's missing is missionary work. That was the one thing that was missing. And so I thought I need to go overseas. I need to go and I need to do some overseas work. So I applied to 10 different bases in South America, in Brazil and uh, Argentina and Colombia and other places like that. And only one of them wrote back and said, come. And I had these visions of me wandering around the streets of South America with a football and going into all these favelas and finding street kids and playing football with them and changing their lives. And I thought, that's it. Three months like that. Come back. That's what's missing from my, my uh, CV. Then I'm going to get those jobs. And so I went to Colombia because uh, that was the only one of these 10 places that wrote back and said, come. So I ended up going to a place in Bogota um, for three months because that's all I needed to, on the CV. That's all I needed, three months' work. And that's not quite how it turned out, though, is it, Andy? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I spoke no Spanish. Um, I spoke absolutely nothing. I couldn't get out of the airport unless the signs were in English because I had no idea what was going on. Um, to give you an idea of this, the guy who was in front of me, literally two metres away, with a sign that said, Andy Hukum, so Hukum, if you don't know, is Spanish for youth with a mission. Uh, YWAM. I didn't know that. I thought he was waiting for some Chinese person whose surname <laughs> was Hukum. Like, in all honesty, and for five minutes I'm stood here. And then eventually we sort of make gestures at each other. And in my head I'm already thinking, well, worst case scenario, I'll find a hotel and then I'll call someone tomorrow because I've got some numbers. Um, and this guy sort of gestures. And so I was like, you know what? See what happened. <laughs> so I went with this guy. Uh, so yeah it didn't work out that way so I went with some random guy from the airport and uh, fortunately it was the right guy you know so if you do go traveling make sure you know who you're going with and where you're going uh, <laughs> yeah and then um, in those three months I remember it very clearly it was February 12th I was in a church in the middle of uh, Bogota and my idea of walking around the streets hadn't happened I couldn't speak to anyone I was feeling lonely. I'd spent a month and a half washing walls in a school for street kids, um, not really doing much, roughly following an, a program. Um, so this teacher had written a folder full of work in Spanish and asked me just to put it onto a computer. So I literally copied a folder and then to translate it and try and tidy up the English as best I could. Um, so that had been my time there. And I was thinking, you know, right, I don't want to do this. But on February the 12th, I was in this church service, not understanding what was going on. And God again met with me there really powerfully 
and he gave me some Bible verses saying that this basically was where I needed to be. And yeah, I came away from that service going, right, I'm staying here then, you know, and that was it. Changed completely, decided to stay in South America. So a three month trip turned into 13 years. Uh, yeah, you know, as and it that's does. That's quite a big difference, isn't it? Just a bit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just a bit. But it's what happens when you seek God. Yeah. Can you can you tell us a few stories of where you saw God working during those 13 years? Oh, unbelievable ones. I mean, in terms of what I did, I used to walk around. So I led um, as part of this, as part of the mission I was working in. I started off as an English teacher doing second, doing teaching English. That's the word I'm looking for. Teaching English. <laughs> Obviously really good at that. Um, <laughs> to these street kids because it was an important thing for them to do um, and they would teach me some Spanish and as my Spanish got better um, I, I ended up being able to be a leader of part of this ministry that would go out onto the streets so I spent sort of of those 13 years a good seven of them leading work into slum towns leading work into um, brothels taking kids out of ridiculous situations sitting down and eating um, food in places where you and I would look here and go, I'm not even going in there. And I remember going into this one house um, and it was basically one room, small bedroom size, seven people living there, dirty, smelly, the clothes were dirty. They, they obviously hadn't washed and it's cultural for them to offer you something. So they said, would you like a drink? And culturally it's rude to say no. So I sort of said, okay, and they made me this coffee and the guy took this cup, wiped it to clean it on his dirty jeans, filled the coffee in it and then gave it to me. And I was just like, okay, Lord, in your name. And I drank (laughs) the coffee (laughs) and, you know, I was fine, but it's things like that, you know, so I didn't get ill. Um, I wandered through places where people got mugged regularly where they got held up at gunpoint, where they've been pistol whipped, where people got beaten and things like that happened. And yet the order of that street was no one was to touch me um, because of the work I was doing. And I could walk in there and I took a camera crew in there and I took a guy called Nick Viducis. I think that's how you say his second name. He's a guy with no arms and only one little leg. He does very most motivational speaking around the world. I took him into this place so that he could film with some of the people there. Not one of them were hurt because of the order on me. So things like God's protection every day were amazing. Um, as a family, I ended up getting married. We had some, we had three kids at that time. And one week, because we lived by faith, we had nothing, literally nothing in the cupboards. And uh, I went into the church where I was had a, a little bit of a desk at that time. And the pastor was like, come on, we're going. And I was like, where are we going? And he took me to a supermarket and he brought me basically two months worth of food for the family. And he didn't know that we had the equivalent of five pounds in the bank, you know, and nothing. And so we've seen God work and we've heard him and we've seen what that lifestyle can bring, you know, being sold out for God, being 110 percent for God. Just, yeah, it changes everything. So we've seen him do the things like that. Um, Yeah. Just his protection, his provision, more and more each day. Yeah, absolutely. But like, that's it's incredible to hear all those things. 
Um, I wonder, you've, you've seen some horrible stuff essentially there, some, some things that we would never want to see other humans experiencing positions they're in, um, whether that, yeah, for whatever reason that is. How do you, how do you cope with that? How can you still turn around to God and go, you're a good God and I believe in you and I believe you can make the situation better? Or, or what do you do to kind of reconcile that? I think at first it really affects you. So the first time I was in those positions, it really hurt. And you have a tendency to want to be very Western and throw money at the issue. Um, Because I think particularly here, maybe we think, well, actually the way is we can help is by giving. And yeah, that's true. And that's great. But throwing money at a family who don't know how to spend it, who don't know how to control it, who, who aren't doing even the basic things as maybe we think correct. Money doesn't help. So at first there was that process of going, yeah, how do we do this? And then how do we walk through and the role that Jesus plays in that? And I think that was how I was able to, to sort of re- resolve the two, seeing the bad, seeing, knowing that I was able to bring these kids out and at least give them a different experience for the time that we were with them. Um, so being able to bring them into a school where they were safe, where they had food, where they could bathe, where they could get fresh clothes, you know, that type of environment, at least for those eight hours of the day, was a change for them. We could sow something different into them. We could pray with them. And we knew we had to return them at the end, you know. And I've had some heartbreaking things where I've gone, why? You know, so we fostered a girl um, and she was three and she had the most beautiful, long, curly hair. And when she arrived with us, it was full of lice and my wife spent probably a good two months every day washing, combing, cleaning, delicing this girl. And she lived with us for a year. And we considered her our daughter. You know, she went everywhere with us. And then her mum showed up and said, right, I'm in a better position. I need her back. And so we were forced to give her back. And then I saw that girl six months later. Her mum had shaved her head. You know, she looked hungry and all she did was look at me and she said, Daddy, take me home. Mm. And I knew that I couldn't. And all I could do was say, I can't, I can't, you know, and it broke my heart, you know, and it hurts even to today to know that who knows where she is or what's happened. But God is bigger than that. And she received seeds and she was prayed over and she knows deep down even from that early age that God is there you know and that she was loved and I just can just hope that those seeds have been sown in such a way that when she's older she'll remember that and grow into that and I think that that's the type of thing where I've been able to just go okay God you are real and I need you to be real and I don't have the answers I'm just one person trying to change the world for God or try to die in trying Uh, (laughs) so yeah and humour, humour helps. <laughs> yeah, a bit of banter along the way. We're exactly. all good. <laughs> you know. So Andy, where do you find your encouragement from? Um, well, during these days, it's hard. It is hard to find encouragement. Um, I mean, I think I'm probably as bored as everybody else is of this situation. Even though lockdown is getting easy, even though we're allowed out, even though we're allowed to do things, I'm still finding 
I think I've gone a little bit stir crazy. Um, so at the moment, I find my encouragement just in God's word, like going into God's Bible every day, looking at what he's saying, looking at what he is talking about, looking at everything that is going on there. Um, and that's where I find my encouragement. I go to Bible verses where God promises to walk with me, to carry me. And I go, OK, I'm going to get through today. It's going to be OK, <laughs> you know, or if I'm feeling great and I look at it and go, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, and so I delight myself in God. I go and I put on music and I will listen and enjoy life and enjoy God. And one of my favorite things to do is go into the beach. So, uh, yes, you'll see in an upcoming YouTube video somewhere, me learning to skimboard, which is a little bit like surfing and skateboarding combined. Um, so, yeah, uh, learning to do things like this have helped me to get through and be encouraged and to feel joyful even though there are some dark days <laughs> where you don't feel joyful yeah yeah absolutely um can you tell us one of your favorite bible verses oh i've got so many At so many point, to choose from well there really is because i have like bible verses where when i was back in back in Colombia, where god sort of said he gave me the isaiah verses or the spirit of the sovereign lord is upon you because he has anointed you to preach good news and that's sort of been the calling on my life. And I've even remembered that without a Bible. Oh, now, look at you. You're so is, holy, Andy. I mean, I don't have a Bible here. I haven't even prepped up on that one. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that was the verse that God gave me, you know, and that string of verses where he says to bring pre to preach good news to the poor, to bring sight to the blind. Um, and for me, as an evangelist, so somebody who likes to talk about God a lot um, and tell other people about God, that was the calling on my life and so that's sort of been my my verse to my go-to verse to remind me what i'm supposed to be doing here on this planet <laughs> and if i'm not doing that well i'm in trouble so andy we've been recording this podcast for quite a few weeks now what is your favorite thing about it and what have you learned from doing it so at the beginning of lockdown, I never thought I would be doing this podcast. And uh, I don't really know how we ended up doing this other than one day I thought, well, some people might listen to this. But as we've gone on this journey over the last, what, 12 weeks now, 13 weeks, um, I have loved chatting to these young people. And I've loved chatting to some of the other guests that we've got coming up and just realizing how young people are excited about God and how God is making a difference in people's lives. And I think sometimes when you work with young people, you get hit with, it's not working, it's not happening. We need to see better results. We need to see this, why are they struggling? And being able to come back and go, well, that's just human nature, but look, you know, it's been really, really great to hear people like Grace and Lexi and Corey of young people who are 17, 18, 19, going on with God, you know, wanting to follow him wanting to see what that adventure with god is and i think that for me has been the highlight just chatting and hearing of these great god stories that are happening around the area where we live within the young people we're working with and just seeing what god is doing you know around this nation i think is fantastic so andy as we round off this episode is there anything else that you would like to tell us about yourself or about God or anything any other words <laughs> uh, just to hang in hang on in there keep going keep journeying as we've heard from Grace and Lexi and others 
through this podcast it's that god is bigger than what you're seeing right now good advice i like it it was great to talk to you today andy great to hear your story and who you are and where you've come from um and i look forward to doing more podcasts with you and talking to more people and learning more thank you very much we will see you all next week you shall bye-bye bye-bye